Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. Um, the Bible talks about our lives as clay in the hands of the potter. And so we're going to explore what that looks like and demonstrate it as we go. And I want us to look at uh, the scriptures that I just referred to. Uh, not all of them, but, but uh, uh, there's quite a few in the, in the Bible. Use, God uses this analogy quite often. And so um, the first one is uh, Isaiah chapter 29. And I think there, there we go. It's popped up for you. Um, verse 16. How foolish can you be? Don't answer that. It's a rhetorical question. I know you may be tempted to think, oh, where do I begin? You know, But um, it's a rhetorical question. This is um, a prophetic passage. You know, Isaiah was a prophet speaking on behalf of God. And it says, he is the potter. He is certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created things say of the one who made it, he didn't make me? Does a jar ever say the potter who made me is stupid? No, obviously, right? Rhetorical questions there. And then look at this passage from Romans 9. It begins, well, no, don't say that. It's referring to um, answering back to God. Who, who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? Well, the answer, of course, another rhetorical question is yes, he's in charge. He can, he can do what he likes. So both these passages are a rebuke to people who have the wrong outlook on life, which is basically the outlook of, I want to be in charge. I think I can do a good job of being in charge. I can do as good a job as God in looking after my life. And so it's a, a strong word against that kind of paradigm of living. It's as silly as getting a lump of clay, which I'm going to ask Chris Dewar. Where are you, Chris? Come out here for a second, Chris. Um, give us a lump of clay and just plonk it on the wheel. Um, because uh, it, it, it's ridiculous to imagine a lump of clay thinking it's anything better than a lump of clay, that it would like to somehow imagine or by itself create and become a pot, a pot, a finished object. It's just a lump of clay. And this is what our lives look like when we're in charge. We really don't know everything. We can't make everything happen. We can't solve all the problems. We, we can't fix everything. We just don't have everything under control. And so if we're smart, uh, we need some outside help. Now I'm going to get a volunteer. Actually, this volunteer has already been volunteered because I needed someone old enough who didn't care what people thought of them, uh, young enough to still be able to get out here without assistance. Um, <laughs> I think you can do that, Just. Uh, and someone who has never done pottery, but better than that, someone who would like to do pottery. So I asked Craig in the office the other day, have you ever done any pottery? And he said, literally, no, but I've always wanted to. And I said... Well, here's your chance. So come on, Craig, come out here, please. Now, the son of the 
resident artist who is out here. In fact, Chris, you may have to come and just show him where to sit. You sit on this bit, all right? There, all right? And you put your legs on either side, you face there, okay? And uh, Chris, does he know how to turn it on? Has it got a pedal? He said it's got a pedal. Yeah, there it is. So there's the pedal, right? So I'm going to give you a crash course, Craig, in how to use a pottery wheel. All right, we've got to turn it on. All right, first of all, you switch it on. This is a power... All right, all right, well, you can hear the power. Okay, so here's the, his first time ever, right? And I'm going... All right, all right, all right, all right, all right okay, just, all right. <laughs> okay, now you know the pedal, right? This is a crash course. Listen... I'm not going to even give time for questions, right? So this is it. Now, this is how to pot in about six points, right? You get a lump of clay. You've begun. Now, forget that thing. You won't need that. That's, that's to finish it off and make it look really nice. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get that close. Okay. Um, uh, I know a little bit about this because when I was a teenager, my, my friend's father had a pottery shop, so we actually did a bit of this, and I was doing much good, but I, I, I do know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Um, so you basically, you have your wheel, you've got your lump of clay. The first thing you have to do is centre it, which you use your hands for. You can use water as much as you like, but not too much. Yeah, well, it's... Yeah, you, you're going to have a big problem there because you've got to get it in... Yeah, you've got to... Do, do your best, trust me. It's still going to be a good... Analogy of the before that we want, even if you try. So you get it, you get it in the centre. You, so you centre it with both hands. Then you're going to make a hole in the middle with either your thumb or your finger, and then you're going to gradually. Well, you're going to centre it first, yeah, and then you're going, and then you're going to gradually spread it out, and then try and draw it up and make your pot. And then yes, you can use that to finish it off. Right away you go. Yes, now you use the pedal, right? But you will want that in the centre. <laughs> All right. Away you go. So two hands, that's it. And you can, well, yes. So you, you want, okay, just stop it for a second. Right. So start as, like I said, you want to put it right in the middle, as close as you can get in the middle before you start spinning. And remember the pedal, if you push it gently, it's just like you throttle in a car. You can go slow. That's it. He's got it. He's got it. So he's trying to get it. Yeah, okay. So as you can see, it's tricky just to centre it, right? So try again to centre it. So... As he's doing that, he's demonstrating, okay, so yeah, that's all right, you try as many times as you can in the middle. This is what our life is like when we take on board input that is imperfect, and we live in an imperfect world, but we do have influence from all kinds of people. You know, you get brought up in, in your family, your parents have done their best, they've tried, they've given you some values, and, okay, you're going to, yeah, well, you just get it back in the middle again, right? Um, so we've got that's it, yeah. So you get as close, yeah. That's it, and then you're, and then that's it. Your hands centered. You see, you've actually you, you're getting there, but you've got to get it in the middle. It's, 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 uh. So we've got this is this is going to be tricky to make some points here because you've just got total concentration on. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. No, you're, you're going. You go. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You watch it. Now, don't ruin it. You're getting... Cru- That's actually not bad. That's looking good. Uh, but you've got to get back in the middle again. Um, so, you know, without God's help, we can't get our lives completely centred. We're always going to be a little wobbly on the edges. And uh, not all bad. You can see something's happening. It's like you people would say, well, he's making, at least he's making something of his life. And that's true. Like I said, we've got 
our parents' influence, our school. We've had some kind of education. Hopefully you're listening to other people to some degree. But, of course, we're influenced by the media, the, the, the flows and pressures of society and culture that aren't always so helpful and positive. So it's, it's going to be – our lives are going to be a bit wobbly. And, as you can see, that's what's been demonstrated. Not altogether bad. All right, that'll do you. Try it, yeah? That's, that's, that's not bad. All right, now take, take, peel it off. And uh, it is a little like an ashtray. So there you go. Just plonk it there. And uh, he's even put the little thing for the cigarette on the sides. Thank you, Craig. Give him a hand, please. Literally, first time ever. Thanks, Craig. That's nearly as much fun as watching you ride motorbikes in Vietnam. <laughs> now, um, Craig's going to go and wash up. As I said, it's not all bad. He's having a go. Uh, in fact, you know, without God's assistance, you can do really well in some areas, but it's still going to be wobbly. It's not going to be completely centred. Your life is not going to be all-round successful. Ruth reminded me of a book that we both read uh, some time ago. It was recommended to us about a very successful businessman in America. And he took a company, he took a number of different companies to success. One of them, you know, global household name, and I don't want to sort of mention his name because my, my side of the story is not so positive about him because the book was his biography, his autobiography, and he wrote about all his successes. And they were... Uh, quite numerous. He, as I said, built this major company up, uh, and but he had the, always the bottom line was what was in the forefront of his mind, and he was pretty tough and ruthless to the degree that he would he would identify the lowest performing ten percent of all the workers in the company, and every year he would cull them. And so you think, well, that's all right, I wasn't in the lowest 10%. Well, that was last year. Now you might have been in the lowest 20, and so you're up for the cut. So every year he would cull the staff numbers and just let the cream rise to the top. And so he built this business and was very successful in one sense, but he burned a lot of relationships and went through a few marriages. And so uh, we read recently someone reflecting on this so-called success and pointing out and questioning, you know, is that really successful? Uh, and it's true when you read about uh, popular, talented, brilliant uh, business people or, or actors or some people who may have achieved in one area but are suffering in another area, it's not all-round success. It, it's not going to... Um, in fact, I even saw a, a show the other day about a billionaire helping people out in Africa, and he comes in undercover. The Undercover Angel, maybe, was the name of this show. And uh, he's a hippie-looking dude, and no one would have thought he was a billionaire, and he was masquerading as a musician, and he's meeting these people in African villages, and then he comes around at the end of the week that he's there saying, well, I'm going to give you fresh water, and I'm going to put install this infrastructure and spend thousands and millions of dollars on them. And it's a great blessing to them. But along the way, he's on his little journey, and he's saying, oh, I've got... Uh, three children and none of them can live with me because he's from previous marriages. And that was breaking his heart that he had all this money and he, he didn't have his own kids living with him because of fractured relationships. And so we really need God's help. I think we can do better than have a wobbly old pot that we produce by ourselves. And here's the beginning of it. Psalm 139 says, 
For you, Lord, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful of your, are your works. My soul knows it very well. So right from the beginning, the master's hand is upon our lives. He's created us in a, a, a wondrous way. Amazing. Just the, the potential that is in us. Uh, right at the beginning. But of course, that potential has been marred and inhibited by our sin. And so we got a problem because uh, we have the potential to do some great stuff. But again, on our own, life's a bit wobbly. Uh, so we got to decide, are we going to continue on just as our sad lump of clay all by ourselves? Or are we going to let the master's hand come and get involved? Because if we seek him, we'll find him. If we repent from sin and we accept Jesus' lordship over our lives, then he can have some leadership and things can start to happen. So if we're smart, we invite God to come into our life, for Jesus to be Lord. We forgive, we repent from our sin, we're forgiven. And, um, and now we're going to ask the master to mould and make our lives into something better. Speaking of which... Craig's son, Chris, is going to, here he is, take a seat at the wheel. Now, I'm going to give you a qualifier. Chris is an artist, but his specialty is painting, not uh, ceramics. And um, so he's still the best we've got. So we're throwing, him in the, <laughs> we're throwing him in the deep end. So, Chris, you represent God. And now, um, no pressure. Uh, and I'm sure if you carry the analogy too far, Amy and the kids will cut you down to size. And um, and uh, But just for the sake of our illustration, Chris is going to represent the hand of God on our lives and how he can uh, get us centred and, and built into something wonderful. Because look what happens. As I said, when we give our life to Christ, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So, uh, is that not up there? Ephesians 2.10. Perhaps I didn't have that on the list or maybe, but, or is it on that one? No? Anyway, you may know that scripture. We are God's masterpiece, one translation says. God is a master craftsman. But notice it says, in Christ Jesus. Because we're created once, then we mess it up. But we're created again, born again, thanks to Jesus. And so he starts working on us. And you can see the trickiest thing about pottery, if you've ever tried this, as Craig soon discovered, is actually getting it in the centre. You think, oh, that looks all right. And then as, as fast as it goes, when life starts spinning around, if you like, what you thought was okay quickly gets out of control. Have you ever had that? You think, I'm okay. And then there's a bit of pressure and things start spinning, and what, what do they say? You know, like you're spinning plates in the circus, and you're like, whoa, and things start getting shaky and wobbly. So the master's hand gets us truly centred. Now, back to the potter's analogy in the scriptures. If you can look at him and listen to the word and look at the screen and keep focus. Have we got Isaiah 64, verse 8? O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, you are our potter, we are all the work of your hand. Now, there's a good faith statement. There's a good reality check. There's the beginning, not fighting back like we heard before. And this was the problem with the Jewish people in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 18, here's the passage we're going to look at a few verses of. Jeremiah, as you know, was a prophet. 
And the prophets sometimes have some tough words. In the New Testament, we're generally told to have some positive kind of words. But these prophets had some tough words and they had a pretty tough result as well. And the people didn't like it. So here's Jeremiah's word. Oh, Flip, look at that. Craig, it's in your genes. Take all the credit. I do. I watch my kids play football and I think it's really just me, you know. I watch my wife play hockey and I think it's my influence on her that makes her a good hockey player. Oh, I know where you're going, but I don't want to go there. This is about me. Yes, all right, it's your genes too, yes. But I did play rugby and you didn't, so yeah. Um, So I'm just sticking with the rugby thing. But yes, yes, they can have your skill, the ball skill. All right. So, so again, impressive. It's so impressive he's getting ahead of me because I haven't got to the bit where, and now look how wonderful your life is. So just keep working, Chris, but hold that moment of, I should have a little black curtain here. Oh, yeah, well, he hasn't had to do that, but, oh, there you go. Hello. Hello. Did you see that? We, he, again, it's in my notes. We're getting there, but just remember that illustration for a few minutes away. So look. This is what happens. The Lord says, he gives a message to Jeremiah. Watch this. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. And so this is the power of analogy. You know, God has got through these prophets and through the parables that Jesus told, some really good illustrations for life that come from things like pottery. Uh, He says, I did. I did as I told him, as, as he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped, so he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. And that's exactly what Chris just did. And then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand. So we're in the right place. We're allowing the master potter's hands to have his way in our lives. And we know that he has a plan. He knows which clay will suit which kind of pot because, as you may know, there's different kinds of clay that suits different uses. He knows how to get it centred, how to, in other words, find its place in the world. He knows what kind of object he wants to create it out of it. It could be decorative. It could be very just utilitarian. It could be stoneware, earthenware, fine porcelain, large, small, all kinds of shape, colour, style, etc., he knows more than the clay does. Let's agree on that, yeah? Because, and notice verse 4, it said, uh, the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. So even back then, thousands of years ago, they were doing exactly what's going on here, except for the electricity. They, they, you can, you know, they had a pedal. But did you see a few moments again? We won't make you do it again because this one's looking good. But Chris did literally squash the clay down again. And sometimes that's exactly what life feels like. The ESV puts version says the potter uh, reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to do. So you ever felt like your life's been reworked? You know, like the hand of the potter has come down heavily. That's okay because he knows what's good. He's sovereign. He, he has a plan. I mean, you don't go past a potter's studio and hear a conversation between the potter and the clay saying, yeah, what do you think I should do with you? What's your idea? He's not, 
you know, consulting and conversing. He's got the plan. The clay's just there to do as he's told. And so, and of course, notice the water. If the clay is dry, if it's tough, if it's hard to work with, then he's really got a problem. And that was the problem with the Jewish people. Because I want to read on and see what happened with this prophecy. You know, in, in Jeremiah's time, as you may know, the nation of Israel were in two parts. The northern tribe tribes had already sinned so much, God had allowed them to be taken into captivity by the Assyrians. That was about 100 years before Jeremiah wrote these words. Now, Jeremiah is warning the southern tribes, known as Judah, to get their act together because they're also sinning, backsliding, following after gods, uh, building altars to other false gods, including Baal, and part of the worship process there included child sacrifice. So this is really not what they should be doing. And so when you read on, uh, Jeremiah is warning them about a judgment that will come if they don't repent and follow God correctly. And it says in verse 7, this is flowing on from what we just read about the, the clay and the potter. He says, If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, but that nation then renounces its evil's ways, I will not destroy it as it had planned. But if I announce that I will plant and build up a, a certain nation or kingdom, and then that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said. As I said, I would. Therefore, Jeremiah, go and warn all Judah and Jerusalem. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. I'm planning disaster for you instead of good. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and do what is right. But look at this. But the people replied, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want to, stubbornly following our own evil desires. Talk about wrong answer. Talk about don't back answer to your dad. My children knew, you back answer, there'll be consequences. And so did Judah and Israel because they realised that was their answer and God then basically smashed them with judgement. And so he allowed them uh, to be taken into captivity. Uh, this time the Babylonians who had taken over from the Assyrians. And, um, and so off they go. But remember... It's still part of God's plan. It's discipline, but it's for their benefit. It's tough love, if you like. And keep going. I've, I've, you've changed shape. That's awesome. I thought you'd, I was looking for the one you'd finished, but it's just, oh, here we go. Okay, so, um, so as I said, if you've felt the hand of God too heavily on your life, if you've been disciplined, then... That's okay because he knows what's best. He may break down the clay, but notice again, the water. It keeps the clay pliable, flexible, soft, so when the master's hand squashes it, it can be rebuilt. It's not destroyed. It's just ready for further use. So if you've failed in life, let yourself uh, stay on the wheel for the potter's hands to come and fix up those failures. You've let yourself down. You've let others down. You've let God down. It's okay as long as you're staying on the wheel because he can still rebuild your life. Amen? And, and so remember, he's got the plan. He's got a, a good thing in mind. He's, his long-term goal is not to leave the clay like a lump 
or dare I say it, to make a pretty dodgy looking ashtray. You know, the master's plan is to really create something beautiful, which I'm so excited that really is happening and he's not even a ceramic dude, you know. So um, uh, Chris is pretty humble. He was like, oh, I'm not so sure if I'm really good enough. I thought, yeah, yeah, you qualify. That's great. Um, And so, uh, you know, when you feel like your life is just that lump of clay, it's not that wonderful, I'm just dry, crusty, old, just remember that God can restore, reuse, rebuild your life according to his awesome plan which is exactly what he did for Jeremiah and those people of Israel. Because yes, they got taken into captivity. Yes, they were forcibly removed from their own home, but it didn't last forever. Because when you read on in Jeremiah, you get this famous passage that you may have heard before. Jeremiah 29 from verse 10. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years and you can check and prove that's exactly how long they were there for. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I've promised and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you. I will bring you home again to your own land. Isn't that awesome? And that is exactly what happened. And they were restored. And then you, and you read, that's wonderful, the you know, stories of Nehemiah and others coming back to rebuild the city and the temple and the gates of Jerusalem. And so... Uh, Look, over here, these are finished works. These pots here, this is what Chris has done before, and they're beautiful. And there's different shapes, different sizes, different uses, different colours, just like us. Some of us, you know, red from the sunburn. Others of us tanned, super tanned, you know, John Hull, Raj, Right, extra tan. I'm very. I, it's one thing when God was dissing out the melanin. You know, he just thought he'd play a joke on a few of us. Um, and uh, I mean, it's okay if you live in Scotland, but he had a plan. He knew we were going to be here anyway. Good for the hat company and the sun cream company. It's all good. Um, so, uh, oh, but we're nearly there. I mean, you can. Do another one if you like, but that's, that's, a, that's a finished product. Look at that. That is awesome. That deserves a clap. Um, but it's not completely finished because now where's it going? It's going into the fire. It's got to go into what they call the kiln. And the kiln is hot. And if it doesn't go into the kiln, it's going to be brittle and weak. But the kiln is going to make it strong. But a kiln is anything between 1,000 and 1,500 degrees Celsius. That's not comfortable. And we haven't got time to talk about the fiery furnace and the fourth man. And, you know, that's a whole great story where those guys were thrown in. But the, and in fact, get this, the finer the clay, the hotter the kiln has to be to fire it properly. See, so if you get fine porcelain, it needs closer to 1,500 degrees. Very cheap stoneware, uh, uh, um, earthenware can be around 1,000 degrees. And so, and get this, 
Stephen Brewer, he is a, a chemistry lecturer and a mad keen potter. So he wrote about what happens to the clay in the kiln. And Luke, you're going to love this because you're the only one who will be able to understand it. The weak uh, hydrogen bonds are replaced by stronger and shorter oxygen bridges. I don't know what that means, but I'm, I'm thinking it sounds cool. So I was going to read. When this happens, the clay can no longer be recycled. Linking the neighbouring clay particles is a gradual process and if the firing is stopped at only 500 degrees, enough of these crosslinks will be formed to prevent recycling but not enough to strengthen the piece. In other words, if it's not hot enough, it's not going to get strong enough. And then he says this, at the same time, the regular sheet-like crystal structure of kaolinite is being lost and amorphous metacalonite is formed. Don't you love that? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Don't you want to be amorphous, metacalonite? Luke, you're going to have to decipher what this means. Basically, it means that the actual particles change in the kiln. They get stronger because of the heat. And this is what life is like sometimes. If you're on the potter's wheel, if you're in the potter's hands, the heat can come. The heat will come, but you'll get stronger. And that's why the Bible says things like, count it all joy, brothers, when you face various trials and tests, because your life's in God's hands and it's going to work out for good. Isn't that awesome? Because if you, you know, aren't right with God and again, you're just a lump of clay, that firing process is just going to make you brittle and not make you a strong pot. And, uh, And then there's more because you know what the potters do, they go into the kiln, they make the pot, but then... You're not completely finished because to get to this stage, you've got to go back in again to get the glaze. So you've made stronger, but God wants your life to be beautiful and to be shining. And so to shine the light, you go and get glazed. And again, without the fire of the kiln, the glaze, you've, have you seen glaze? Glaze is like a milky, muddy, messy kind of paint. It really doesn't look that flash. And you paint it on and you think, uh, but then you put it in the heat and then it comes out and it, and it does this amazing uh, change to the appearance. And so, um, again, under heat, it becomes bright, shiny, and again, that's why life in God's hands. So, we're all called to be clay in God's hands. We, we are called to be happy and humble in a place of submission to the master plan. Uh, we also have a choice as to whether we'll stay on the wheel or get off. And so the practical outworking of all this is obviously that we should maintain an attitude of humility before God, that we should trust that he has a great plan for us, and that we should watch out for the things that try and tempt us to get off the wheel. And for different people, there are different things, because if you're let's say, a really active, focused, busy, decisive person. That's awesome, but that activity can keep you sometimes away from the potter's place because maybe there are times where you need to just settle, stop and be still and listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit and that's what God's calling you to be on the potter's wheel. Or maybe you're naturally a quiet, reflective person, but the hand of the potter is maybe squeezing and pressuring and moulding you to to be a little more proactive and do something out of the box or out of your comfort zone. For some people, 
fear and worry about life is, is causing you to spin away from God's plans, to, to get away from, from his hand and he's calling you to be at peace and to prophesy positivity over your life and to get a hold of some scriptures that overcome negative thinking. And then again, you've got some people that, okay, maybe you're just cruising along and you've given your life to the Lord, but you're really being more influenced by the ways of the world than God's ways. And you couldn't say, I'm fully under his hand. And so your life is, is going to be a little wobbly. You're going to be an ashtray instead of a, a beautiful vessel for God to fill. And, uh, and so for you, maybe there's a stirring to, to seek God, like the beginning of our service this morning, just to spend times like that on your own or with a CD on in the house and just to be in God's presence, listening to him and seeking him. We can all decide we've got to stay on the wheel. Amen? And we get centred, we stay in his hands, and let's face it, we stay there by doing just a few things well. Praying, seeking him in prayer, not with a shopping list and, you know, doing business. Reading the word and living by the word and being committed to his church, being in this house, not just here now, but being part of what God is doing on an ongoing basis, learning from others, passionately serving with our gifts. You do this, you'll be a strong, shiny, valuable vessel for God's glory. Amen. And give him another clap. Come on. Thanks, Chris. That is awesome. Praise him. Come on, musos, come up. We're going to sing that Joyful song, you're just jumping out of your skin. We're going to have to do that again. Let me pray just as they're coming. Father, we thank you for today's uh, lesson. We thank you for this whole service. We thank you for all the talented creativity that flows out of all of us. And I pray that you'd help us all discover what that is and we can use our talents for your glory and that we would be those shining, strong, beautiful ceramic works of art that you have in mind each one of us you've got that that plan that style that color that that uh destiny for for all of us and i pray that we would keep seeking you to find what that is i pray for everyone here today that we would be taking the right steps towards you in prayer in your word in in your family thank you lord you know just as we finish up today i want you to come and see me at the end of the service if you need to commit your life to Christ, maybe for the first time, or perhaps it's a recommitment because you're aware you're not as close to God as you can be and as you should be. Maybe someone's brought you to church, they'll come with you. Or maybe you've, you've just been around the things of God, but you're not walking with him personally. Jesus invites us to open our heart up. He says, I will come in to your heart. He will forgive us for all our wrongdoing. He will cleanse us from guilt and shame. He'll empower us to live the the right way, to fulfill our potential, to overcome the habits, the addictions, the temptations, the, the, the things of the world that draw us away, that try and take us off that centered place on God's potter's wheel. So if you need to make that kind of commitment fresh, maybe for the first time or maybe as a recommitment, then come and see me as we finish today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your blessing on everyone here. Amen.
hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. <laughs>